listeners and welcome to another episode um we've been gone for a while but now we're back this time to talk about a very important topic that will probably resonate with a lot of our listeners but before we delve into that topic let's begin with our first segment which is the devil's advocate segment the question that we're going to debate today is do people in the diaspora, so do Senegalese people in the diaspora have a responsibility to help their family in Senegal? So Ida's going to argue yes, they do, and I'll be arguing no, they do not. So Ida, I'll let you start, and then I'll provide a rebuttal. Okay, do we want to put a time on it or just... Yes, let's do that. So I'm going to time you for three minutes. Is that okay? Would I have to talk for the full three minutes? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me set the timer. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk very slowly. Oh, really? You, you, don't, you don't think you have a strong argument? No, no, I do. It's just three minutes to... We've been down this road before. <laughs> I think we did it for five minutes before, and five minutes was. So are we are we both going back and forth for three minutes, or am I talking for three minutes and or, then? That's a good point. Let's do let's do five minutes, and it'll be a back and forth situation. Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, I can we'll handle start that. it now. Go. Okay, so I do believe that um, people in the diaspora have a responsibility when it comes to helping family in Senegal. Um, most of us were well. I don't, I don't want to say most of us. A good number of us were either born there or we have very strong ties um, as far as people who helped our families come abroad. And so I think it's just a matter of, you know, reflecting and being recognizant of that. Is that the word? Anyways, reconnaissance in French, Um, you know, looking back at the people who helped you and making sure that if you can return the favor, why not? Especially knowing the conditions in Senegal. It's not as easy as it is here to make an income and make a living. And so the little bit that you do send back, it means a lot for for the folks who are receiving it. So I just think, you know, if you can do it, why not? Obviously, like don't do anything you can't do. There are limits to it. It's not a blanket statement. But overall, I definitely think there's a social responsibility, a moral aspect to it. Um, to, to just, you know, help out family members whenever you can. Okay, thank you for your perspective. So I'm arguing against you. I'm saying that, no, there is no responsibility, that folks can do it if they want to. If you want to help your family back home in Senegal, you can, but I don't think you are responsible for them or their well-being unless you make that choice. Um, and I think lots of folks have that choice taken away from them so they 
come to the States and then their family calls them and says, send me money. And if you should send me money because I raised you or you should send me money because I helped you travel to the United States. Even if there's no literal debt associated with that travel, that help might have come in different forms. So I think um, ultimately people need to retake that choice and, and, and choose the people that they, that, they, that they are helping and that they can help. Because if they don't do that, you're going to end up helping 20 million people and then now you can't take care of yourself. And we have examples of folks like that in our community who have been working over 20 years in this country, can't save anything because they've sent it all back home to their family in Senegal. And these folks aren't getting a thank you. They're just getting calls every day of people asking for more. So do you have any response to that? Still got two minutes. (laughs) I do. I think um, I completely agree with you in the sense that obviously if you can't, you shouldn't. Right. But the I think the word responsibility is an interesting one. It's not like if you don't do it, something bad is going to happen to you right away or there are consequences right away. But I think in society in general, like there are things that we are responsible for, even if we maybe don't want to be or we feel like that word or that um, that hmm, what's, I'm trying to articulate. Like, it shouldn't be a forced thing, right? Like, we don't have, you don't have to vote, but it's a responsibility to vote. So I don't think it's necessarily like a forceful thing that you, you know, your hand is twisted that you have to send money back. But I do think that, especially I disagree. I think when you hear the word responsibility, there is a little bit of hand twisting. It might be a gentle hand twisting because you're being held accountable for it. If, If you're responsible for something, if you don't do it, you're held accountable. And you know but what if someone, if, like someone huh? if someone back home does indeed contribute to the fact that you are here or like your parents were able to come here and have you here, don't you think that means that it's not like a literal debt, but there is a bit of a like a bit of an indebt like you're kind of indebted to that person a little bit, right? Um maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We still it's got good, 40 seconds. We have how many seconds? 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. I don't know. I think it's, I mean, it's one of those things that, like, to sleep well at night. Obviously, when people call and they ask for money, you have to decipher if it's a good reason or not a good reason. But overall, like, a lot of our country's GDP is remittance money. So if we don't send money back, it's like, are you comfortable sleeping at night knowing Maybe you could be helping someone survive off of the little bit that you are sending back home. So that's where the moral dilemma for me comes in. And that's why I think maybe it's a responsibility thing. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I couldn't keep time. (laughs) So how do you truly believe outside of this debate? I am somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think there are certain scenarios where, of course, it's better to help if you can like medical issues, food, just sustenance, right? But I think there's a lot of wastefulness that goes on. People expect you to send money just because Mm -hmm. or to finance their lifestyles where they're either not honest or upfront about why they're asking for the money or 
people get scammed all the time too. So in those instances, I think that's unfair and that, you know, at that point, if you know what's going on or if you don't feel like my priorities should be lowered for yours, Mm -hmm. then you definitely shouldn't send money. Like, I think it's very, very hard to be in a position where you have a family here, you have responsibilities here. Like, yes, it seems like arguably we have so much more money here, but we still have expenses. And so I don't think we should be made to feel guilty if we're not able to send money back because we choose ourselves first. Exactly. So I agree similarly. Um, What I would like to add too is like, I truly believe in collective action and I believe in communities being able to work together to solve their, their needs. And you, we see that now, even here in the States, like especially during COVID where people were, um, posting things that they needed and other people also posted things that they need and they saw how they could like exchange goods and services and 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 things like that and that was those were things that I had never seen really become so popular prior to COVID but have existed in our communities especially in African communities I can say for like a minute like we are a very much collective community we're not individualistic at all like 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 it is in the states um, but what I think is changing and what makes it harder to fulfill the respo- these responsibilities is that the collective action aspect is slowly fizzling away where it's one-sided now. So there was a moment in time where like, maybe if you were supporting your family member financially, they were supporting you in another way. Either it be emotionally or they were taking care of a loved one or they were... I don't know, they were, they were doing something else. It didn't necessarily have to be monetary, but they were doing something else that would help you fulfill your daily life or <clears throat> future life goals. But these days, we keep hearing stories in our community of people who are sending millions back home. And like you said, the, the money is either being wasted, they're being scammed, they're being conned. The people that they're helping monetarily can't help them in any other way. Even when they want to get something done, they can't depend on those people. So that's why lots of folks are having this debate. They're like, is it even worth helping folks who are going to treat me in this way? Even if these folks are my family members. Because you hear stories of family members who are like scamming their their other family members back home. So I think... Um, the responsibility aspect is what's keeping these relationships intact because people are like, you know, I'm in the States. I have to send money back home to my brother, even though my brother stole $30,000. And I think you have to reassess that, that question. So, and you mentioned earlier how people like, like you should feel bad, you know, not necessarily that you said that specifically, but you did tap into like it being a moral dilemma yeah absolutely and yeah that's that's so true because i think about it all the time i'm like i've been blessed to have a job where all of my needs are met and have sometimes i'm even blessed to have surplus income whereas i have family members back home who might really benefit from that income so then you you have these moral dilemmas that you're going to that you're working through I don't know. It's it's a it's a difficult situation. I think it also depends context by context. Everyone's families are different. Everyone's relationships with their families are different. 
some people might be more closer to their immediate family than their extended family. So I'm not going to tell anyone who's listening to the podcast, do this or do that. But I think just think about what you're doing. I think that this type of discussion and awareness is something that didn't exist in our parents' generation. They just didn't question it much. They just very much heavily relied on the moral aspect of it and the, the duty and the responsibility aspect of it and nothing else. So that was a very long um, response to, I think, a simple, simple idea I was trying to communicate. Okay, great. Thank you for that debate. I think it will definitely be something that people will think about, hopefully, after they're done listening. Um, The next segment is current events in the Senegalese community. There's going to be a lot of things we're missing because I'm not just, I'm not too tapped in. It's just like what I see on my social media feed, but there are two successes in our community that I think we should talk about. The first one is Amikole being in Sephora, which is such a big deal. Congrats to Jada and her whole team. Congratulations. Yeah, like. I've never met Jada a day in my life, but <laughs> I feel so happy. I just I, when when she posts her journey and and what what she's been doing to get to where Amikola is today, I'm just like yes, like <laughs> good job. Hundred percent. I feel like I'm part of the team. <laughs> exactly, and I can see that pride in a lot of folks. A lot of folks were reposting it when the news came out, so I feel like. Uh, yeah, everyone in the community is very much um, proud. Um, I'm glad that Amikole has a Senegalese name. Like you hear Amikole, you know, it has something to do with Senegal. Mm-hmm. The products are great. I love the lip oil. Um, people have stole it from me like twice, but I always make sure to get it back. <laughs> yeah, just just so proud of that whole brand. And I wish that it just continues to be successful. A hundred percent. The lip oil has been a topic of debate in my a group chat with my sisters. Oh, really? Who, who took whose? <laughs> it's an amazing products, amazing company. And like you said, just watching her journey, it's been like super nostalgic too. Like you feel like you have a stake in the in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just really, really proud of her and her team, and we just mm-hmm. wish you continued success. It feels like. You're doing it for everyone. So thank you. And Jada, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm gonna if you are, let us know. <laughs> We're fans of Amikole. All right, the next thing too is um the grand opening of Dakar Nola in New Orleans. And we so, had this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So that's a big like I feel like that's a um a Joko baby too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if any of you guys ever make it to New Orleans, make sure to pass by a Senegalese restaurant, the food. I've tasted some of the the items on the on their menu. So good. The Fonio salad. I was telling Chef sitting this at the Fonio salad, still thinking about that every day. I've never had a salad better than that. To be honest, so good. So if you ever, and Nola's a great place, I think, to visit. People forget about it, that it's even in the U.S. Like, people just remember it during Mardi Gras. But I had a really great time when I went. I think I went in November a year or two ago. Okay. 
Yeah, I haven't visited yet, but it's on my list. And when I go there, inshallah, I definitely want to visit and taste some of his cuisine because mm -hmm. the pictures look amazing. I love the way he presents it. And of course, um, he was so, just such a great guy when we had him on the podcast before. So we're super excited that he's on his journey too. And it's, it's just nice to see like Senegalese names being represented in such a positive way. I agree. And it also encourages folks to know that these um, career paths and these professional paths are very much possible for us. Because when you see some someone who looks like you or comes from a similar background doing these things, you're like, hmm. You know, this is very much possible for me or I can get mentorship from folks in this space or I don't know. It just makes it much more attainable in my eyes. While we were gone, we made memes and people like to engage with our memes and not listen to our episodes. So listen to our episodes. We are a podcast first. But I, hope, I really pray that people don't think that Joker podcast is a meme account. Because that's secondary. <laughs> we are a podcast first. But anyway, the memes that I'm talking about are the African uncle and African auntie memes. Like, those were really popular when we dropped them. Mm -hmm. Then it got us thinking, like, we are the African aunties and uncles now. Um, whether we see it or not, we're at that age where people are going to be calling us Tata and Tonto. Even though if I hear that, I'm not going to respond. <laughs> and, like, what does that mean, like, and how are we going to reinvent that title? I think it's something that would be very interesting for us to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, one, the amount of feedback that we got with those memes. I have to give kudos to you, Adam. The creativity was top notch. Um, for anything creative you see on Joko, it's Adam. I am not at all creative. And so <laughs> kudos to her for dropping that content. And we did get so much engagement from it. Like Adam said, it got us thinking about now that we are at that age um, where, you know, we're either at the age that our parents were when they moved here or something along those lines. We have a couple of different topics today that we want to talk about um, and just talk about, like, as the new generation of African aunties and uncles, the expectation of how we should act, um, how we see ourselves, how we interact with each other. I think that's those dynamics will look different than our parents when they when they were going through it um and so yeah i'm excited to talk about it and so i think the first thing that we will talk about um time to invest in senegal adam you want to get into that one i know for many of us at some point in our lives and maybe we still have those feelings of like i want to go back and invest in my country well what's your take on that mm -hmm. So most of our parents now have homes in Senegal, and these are the homes you probably go back to when we go home um, to Senegal. Like the 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 December crew, y'all probably gonna be going home to your father's house. If you're going back to your house, you, good job. <laughs> you you, but um, and most of those homes that we're going back to were built around the age that we have now. Like I'm 28, eight years old. My dad started saving and, and building around this age in his life. And it took him a while to build the house that he has now. We know that it's possible to acquire a home or an apartment or a villa in less time. Something Because that's one thing I, I discuss with my parents. My dad, it took him over like maybe 
10 to 15 years to build his home. And he couldn't live in that home until it was finished and built. For me, that doesn't sound like a good investment to me. But for him at that time, that was what was available and accessible and possible for him. And now he has his home that he's built, that he can live in, that me and my siblings can go live in. But for me, I don't want to be building something and not be able to enjoy it. Because we have here in the U.S. like a mortgage system where you can you know, borrow money from the bank and then you're paying your mortgage payments while you live in your house. So at least you're enjoying your house before you fully own it. That system does exist in Senegal, but we know how the banks move. Like you don't want to borrow from the banks because the interest rates are going to kill you, especially being a foreigner too and not understanding the local system. It's just, it's a, it's a higher risk situation. So I think how we build back home, how we invest back home is going to be ultimately different. And then there's also lots of new companies that didn't exist when our parents were investing that sort of mirror the investment um, systems that we see in the States. So before, like I was saying, how mortgages were like not a thing for our parents. Now there's similar structures that could, that could exist for us if we decide to invest in Senegal. But to access those things, you have to speak French, Wolof. There's probably folks who, who, who speak English in these companies, but there's a lot of like unspoken rules and ways of negotiating and understanding whether where you're buying your land or your apartment is a good investment if you don't speak the local language or have basic understanding of the culture, you might not make a good investment or you're going to lose money in the process. So all of this stuff is so daunting. Most of us don't know what we're doing or where to even start. Um, so I think that if you do know anything about these things, let us know. <laughs> we might, might invent you to talk about it in Joko. Some of you have been successful already in, in, in investing back home. So just share what you know with other folks, because I think this is the age where most of us are thinking about that. And that's an auntie-uncle thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. an auntie-uncle thing to think about these things. Yep. Well, I think that there's another reality that's a part of it, too, is, like, when our parents came here, even though they ended up staying, a majority of them had a mindset of, I'm only here to basically stack up and go back home. Um, so there wasn't this idea of staying here forever. For mm-hmm. us who were raised here, the dynamic of do I want a house here and back home, that one makes it, I think, a little bit harder to split your income because you have limited resources. So do you want to be having a mortgage here um, and then build a house back home so you're splitting those resources? Or even if you don't have a mortgage here, you still need a place to stay here. And our parents had the same thing too, but for most of them, maybe home ownership wasn't a priority. So they didn't have to go through the idea of like having a down payment and owning a home and being really settled here in the U.S. because their focus was to send money, as much money back home. I think that it's different for us where this is just as much home as Senegal is. And so if we feel like we want to have an investment back home in in the form of building a house, what's the trade-off for what we'll be giving up here? I agree. Yeah, and you mentioned our parents. Um, 
not having a full like foundation here like always thinking about when they're going to go back home and I always make fun of my parents for that because they also had that mindset and they ended up being here for over 30 years and most parents that that ended up being their case like they didn't they were so focused on building something back home that all of these years passed them here in the states and in those years they probably could have owned a home and then had some um something that they could have owned and sold during their retirement or something like that um but they were always senegal facing and i think since we were born i was born here and most of us that are born here well i'm different than the other folks who 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 are born here i think so i don't want nothing to do with this country <laughs> i have like half a foot in the us my my whole like spirit and mind is in Senegal I'm finding ways of being able to live there full time but I can understand why someone would want to have more sturdier footing here in in the US because even for me like like I said like my biggest challenge is navigating the culture and the unwritten rules and unseen ways of operating that exist back home because Senegal you have to know people to get things done um you do you really do like my parent, my dad, when he talks about what he had to go through to build his home, he knew the right people. He knew people who had power and privilege who were able to get him access to certain things. So, like, it's all about who you know and what they're willing to do for you, really. Um, so, yeah. But I think another thing about being a, the, the, the new generation of, of, of African auntie is seeing how the aunties before you were like and realizing <laughs> how some of us really are the same. We make fun of the aunties, but we do the same thing that they do. And you don't see it until we are all together in like a, a wedding or a baby shower or I something that, that brings us all together you start to see that the dynamics are the same. I'm going to rebuke that. I refuse to be. <laughs> I think we have, um, I think one word that I can think of that is constant in the old generation and the new generation is sisterhood. Now, whether that sisterhood is healthy is a different topic, but I think um, in both, like both the old and the new generation I would agree with you, even though I'm joking that I rebuke it, but I agree with you that there's that similarity of when we get together, there's kind of just this vibe. Like we kind of just know what it is, especially if it's like a wedding or a baby shower. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's just this African, like the Senegalese-ness that we have that we inherited from our older aunties. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the uncles. I can't really speak for them, but it's probably a similar dynamic. Um, but exactly. I think that mm -hmm. when I so when I was talking about the sisterhood, I think the positive side of it, like the the progress that's been made, is that I think our generation is much more like we mind our business a little bit better than the older generation. Older generation, I feel like if you see something, news travels fast. News still travels fast, like gossip. But I feel like, especially in this world of social media, um, it's not as I don't want to say toxic. That's like an overused word. You just but have a good group of friends. 
Yeah, like you just have a solid group of friends, and you no, guys. I said you have a very solid me? group of friends because I don't have friends. <laughs> oh, there you go. So how can you speak on 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 sister? Because I no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I do. I have a very limited. Oh, group of friends. I'm the same yeah. way because for me, I was so positive. I'm like, oh, you know, Kumbaya. Because remember, we did that episode on sisterhood. Yeah. And someone I listened to it, it came up to me. It was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but this is not the sisterhood that exists here in the United States of America. And I was like, what? I was shocked. And she, this person gave me like an anecdote. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, next time we have, just have to be careful how what we say. But apparently, there's, mm, there's drama out here. We just, we just oh, wow. never hear it. And I hope it stays that way, but there's drama out here. That's crazy. I mean, I'm okay. I don't want to say I'm surprised. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just feel like, maybe I'm naive in thinking that our generation is far removed from that toxicity and that drama when maybe the reality is it's not. Maybe we don't know what's going on out in the streets. I don't know. I think that's what it is. Like, and I'm even talking about baby showers and weddings. Like, I go to them, like, I haven't been to a wedding a baby shower in a hot minute but like i guess for me more that i've seen is like the the is it archetype maybe i don't know if that's the word or personality type mm-hmm. that, that that like um exists like you know how we, we were joking in that meme but if you were to expand those memes there's definitely a different type of auntie um and those different types tend to hang out with each other like we have we have the aunties who like the to gossip Mm. The, ones, uh, the aunties who think that they're better than the other aunties, the religious ones, the ones who are like um, less traditionals who are on the fringes, like people barely see, but always want to talk about. Like, mm. I feel like those groups exist within our, <laughs> within our <laughs> generation. We have the, the gossipy um, girls. We got the girls who um, are very religious, but like religious in a way that's judgmental to to people who don't mm, yeah to their to their belief. We have the ones who just are out there, don't care nothing for tradition and just doing their thing, and everybody's judging those aunties. Like I feel like that those dynamics still exist, but like the 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 extent to to to, to their existence might vary from this generation to the older one. Mm-hmm. But I still I feel like the categories in which we place the older generation, we can still pay, place the younger one. And I think it's because we were all raised by those aunties. There was a meme that says that y'all always want to make fun of the evil auntie, but some of your moms were the evil auntie. <laughs> and I was like, huh. So then <laughs> if your mom was the evil auntie, what you going to be? The evil auntie. So it makes sense that that sort of carried over um, to our generation. So, so then on the topic of raising... Because it, saying auntie or uncle implies you're somebody's, like somebody's your niece or nephew, or for those of us that have children. So um, in that sense, then, do you think that the role that the old African aunties and uncles played is still the same? Like, I feel like our generation is going to be that um, group of people that are a little bit less involved in the lives of their nieces and nephews. I don't know about the children, but like the nieces and nephews, like, you know how, for example, um, back in the day or like in, in our parents' time, your auntie or your uncle could basically make decisions about you and be like, well, this is what I think. And their opinion or their um, voice was very heavily taken into consideration when it came to decisions about you. 
um, like the topic of marriage is one where it's like, oh, you're going to marry your cousin. And that was like seen as such a natural thing. I feel like our generation, that's not going to be the same. So the whole dynamic of our involvement in the lives of, of like our nieces and nephews, that's going to be a, a different, you know, that's going to look different than it did for our parents because like the way sometimes I see like my parents listen so much to my aunts and uncles, I'm like, I love my brothers and sisters, but I think we have like healthy boundaries as far as what you can and cannot impose on people's lives or expect out of them. So do you, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm definitely yeah. seeing that shifting a hundred percent, like, because of the sibling relationship, like you said, is just completely different. Yeah. Like, so I think maybe because we grew up, um, in more intimate settings where we saw our siblings every day. Um, I don't know, like there's a closeness that I, that I feel mm-hmm. with, with, with my siblings that I feel like my parents don't have with their siblings. And I, and I see that dynamic a lot in a lot of Senegalese families where this generation of siblings is much more closer to each other than their uncles and aunts were. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is how we were raised in the home. I don't know what it is. I still can't put my finger on it, but it's something that I've noticed a lot in a lot of families. And I think that dynamic will affect how we um, build community when we all have children. Like, you don't, if if you're close to your brother and your sister, I don't think the cousin marriages are going to happen as often. Yeah, I think so. And I think too, like, one one thing that I've noticed in older, older generations is this idea of like kilifa, which mm-hmm. like your older brother or your older sister is your kilifa. I think for for people that are raised here or like have been here a really long time, that that's a foreign topic. It's like my brother or my sister that's a couple years older than me. Mm-hmm. Like of course you have respect for them, but this whole kilifa thing just sounds real like um mm-hmm. <laughs> a little weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something I didn't even think about that, but that is very much true. Being this age, being Senegalese-American, um, thinking about Senegal, but living in the U.S., there's a lot of like questions that I have that no one seems to be able to answer. Because um, this identity, these experiences, I think are very much new, unless... Even if you have older siblings, I feel like this experience that we're all having, like those of us that are like between 28, 30 something, this experience that we're all having is extremely unique in our community. So if we don't talk to each other, it's going to feel very isolating. And I think that's one of the reasons why you and I created Joko Podcast mm-hmm. was so that people can hear other people talking about things that they experience and that matters to them. If you go to the therapist, mm-hmm. they're going to give you some advice where you could be like, that's nice, but that's not going to work with the family that I have, or that's not going to work with the culture that I have. If you go to an elder and they give you advice, you could be like, that's nice, but that doesn't work with um, mm-hmm. the age that I'm in and the people in my age group or whatever is less like, the old, I feel like I feel most comfort when I'm discussing things with my peers, especially peers who have this hyphenated identity that we have. A hundred percent. It's a unique experience because mm-hmm. um, it feels like you're living almost a double life. 
and I feel like we, we I might have talked about this in in previous episodes, but like this, I tr- sometimes truly do feel like I'm living a double life, and it's almost like a switch that goes off. If you take a flight to DSS, and you you plopped into the country, your mindset changes. It's like you're two different people between who you are in the U.S. and back home, and maybe not everybody has the same experience. But for me, it definitely feels like I'm trying to build a life here and this is what I've known for the last 20 plus years, but there's always something pulling me back. And um, when we were talking about this episode of scripting, we, we talked about like this pull of, do I want to go back partially, fully, not at all? Like, I think those are questions that come up so often and we're at that age where we're not young enough to claim ignorance not old enough to completely call it quits either. So it's like so many decisions have to be made, but you're dealing with multiple layers of complexities and complexity. And I don't know if it can feel a little overwhelming. So I agree with you that talking about it helps. I think our community needs to do a much better job. We're doing a great job. I think in general, like seeing other people going through things helps it kind of, um, process your own experiences, but I think the dialogue could be a lot better in terms of how do we continue this conversation outside of the podcast? How do we get more people involved? Mm -hmm. How do we share best practices and lessons learned and failures? Like there's just a lot and it can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And how we can create safe spaces to do that. Like even with Joko, like I don't feel our community is safe enough for me to really go deep into how I really feel like I I say what I feel on this podcast but there are some episodes where I'm like I'm not gonna say how I really feel mm-hmm. because I'm not ready for the backlash that can possibly come from it or for, for someone to take a screen recording and sending it to my parents and now I'm in trouble I know right like <laughs> we need to be better at that because most of us cannot be our full selves um publicly when I say publicly meaning like on social media or on the content that we produce because some idiot wants to send it to our parents. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds so petty. But, like, lots of people I know will watch what they say, watch what they do to to, to save face. Because saving face is something that's very important in our community. And, and, I don't, and I understand why. Like, I don't trivialize that at all. Like, I understand why saving face is something that's important. Because it's important to me, too. So, um, and for us to, to really get to the solutions or to really talk about the things that people really need to hear. We need to feel safe around each other. And sometimes I don't feel safe around other folks in our community because they do things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I I don't want to make it about myself, but I have an anecdote on that. Um, I might have given it before too. I I have a, a tendency to repeat myself sometimes. So apologies if I've said this before, but at some point I had a YouTube channel and it didn't go far because I don't know who, I don't know if it happened, but, you know, at some point my mom was just like, hey, I, like, I don't want you to make YouTube videos anymore. Um, you know, you're an unmarried woman at the time. And she was like, you know, I don't want your face out there. Like, you know, you need to be more covert. You need to not talk about certain topics. Like I was talking about like feminine hygiene and rape culture and all this stuff. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, but can you imagine... To your point, if our community was more of a safe space, how much, how many of us could 
reach our full potential. And I'm not saying YouTube was my full potential, but I'm just saying how many of us are, are maybe stifled in things that we want to do because of what the public might think or what our parents back home or family members back home might think. Um, imagine you, and I think that we touched on that a little bit earlier in the episode too, when we said like uh, Jada and, and sitting in terms of like um, the paths that they've taken, like being in the industry and being a chef, things that aren't typically considered what success in Senegalese culture, but are like in the day and age that we are and have always been, honestly, it's just a matter of how you do it. Um, but it definitely feels sometimes like, you know, we're stifled and we can't be our authentic selves. Like you said, we can't show up a hundred percent as who we are because we have so many things to take into account. I feel like our culture is one that truly lives for external aesthetics <laughs> than internal validation or internal like happiness. And not just happiness, but like empowerment too. It's like there's so many other things that it's not just like, oh, selfishly, I want to be happy. So I want to do these things and I don't want anybody to talk about it. It's like there are positive things that can come from non-traditional routes of self-expression. And we do have a, a lot of power to change things since we are the aunties and the, and the uncles. Like we can teach empathy to our children, um, practice empathy with our peers stop being judgmental like even um being judgmental i feel like sometimes i find myself being judgmental and i'm like mm-hmm. this is not what i want to do right now so then i intentionally just like shake it off and like um yeah. reassess, like really like really think like why why did i think that way or why did i think that it was okay to think like that so we just definitely need to um be better in that aspect um yeah, so I think yeah, empathy is key. Because once you have empathy, you're not going to be judgmental. You're not going to be gossiping about people. You're not going to do any of those things. So I think that's something that I definitely hope to really intentionally practice in my big age of 28 years <laughs> old. Um, and to also just, like, um, develop a relationship with the younger folks, like, outside of your siblings. Like, I... And this is, this is I say this, but this is harder for me to do because I I, I want to be the cool auntie and uncle, but I also want to be a stern one. Mm. So like, how do I? And even as an elder eldest daughter with my siblings, like I want to be the the cool elder sibling, but I also want to be a stern one and 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 say like, hey, like. I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. It makes it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, so like just I guess that's a challenge more so than a statement like that I I need a solution for like balancing those two because the reason why I'm so afraid of being stern is that I don't want it to to mimic um the sternness that I saw growing up from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um and I think you're having probably some same some feelings that I've had where you're like the older sister or like the oldest and there's a syndrome of you obviously want to foster a, like an environment where your siblings feel like they can talk to you and you're not going to judge them, blah, blah, blah. But there's also this weight of, well, I have to set a good example and I can't be too lenient. I can't be too mm-hmm. blase, blase to the point where they're going to do whatever. So I definitely know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I think that's going to become even more relevant when we become parents mm-hmm. because it's like, 
wow, like you don't want to be your child's BFF. But in this day and age, in this society that we live in, if you don't set ground rules, oh my goodness, just the, the possible outcomes are atrocious. Mm-hmm. And so it's a scary, scary like juncture that we're at. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I encourage people to reflect on, what are some cultural traditions, ways of thinking, ways of being they want to keep? What are some they want to sort of place a bit far away <laughs> from their thinking? Um, yeah. From both identities, the wherever city, because like even in the U.S., it depends on where you are in the U.S. And even in Senegal, too, the identities are different. So whatever identities you subscribe to. Um, and then also think about the things that you criticized the elders for. And how you see it in yourself. Mm, that's a good one. Um, and then write it down. And do, I don't know what to, what you can do with that. But I feel like once I have things written down, it helps me do something with that information. Whether it's actively finding ways of, of changing a behavior I don't want to see. Or even just being mindful of it. Yeah, so Maybe that's an exercise, homework for people. I, I don't know if that... Those instructions make sense. <laughs> but that makes sense. And to your point on what to do with them, I have a suggestion. I would love if folks would share with us their mm-hmm. reflections on the topics that we talked about today, because I would wager that a lot of folks probably feel the same way or have thought mm-hmm. about this at some point, or maybe are in dead in the middle of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um Share, share with us. We we love when you guys write us. We love when you engage with us, not just on our memes, but on the topics that we talk about too. So this, I think this is a really like relevant one for folks to, like you said, take that time to reflect and write things down, but also reach out to us. I would personally love to continue this conversation because I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to revisit again and again in our personal lives. And if we can do it together as a community, all the better. I agree. And one like learning that I had written a couple of months ago was and this was after like binging some Joko podcast episodes and hearing myself speak was that I need to sort of relax more and realize that Joko, this is not a professional job. But, like we're just <laughs> chatting. Yeah. We don't know all the answers. Everything that we're going to say might not be neat, orderly, perfect, articulate. And that's fine. Because we're just chatting. Yep. <laughs> um, and that we both don't know or we both can't speak to the experiences of every single listener on this platform, but we can always speak to what we know and what we experience. Um, so to always keep it that way, never try to speak on behalf of a whole community, even if you're a part of it. Yeah. Um, those are some of my journal entries in the past. So. I think in anything that you do, people think that you only should be reflecting when you get that personal development check-in, whatever, at work. But in life, too, you need to check in with yourself. Um, it helps me, helps me a lot, I know. Yeah, me too. Me too. I don't think... Dang, we were talking about African aunties and then it got deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, I guess we can end with the more like, well, 
this is not negative it's just deep like you said um mm-hmm. but i feel like 2022 has been a very 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 chaotic year in a all long sense. year a long one a spicy one a funny one a chaotic <laughs> one a, there's so many adjectives to describe it um so write it down because yeah this one is this 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 year is very much full of yeah yeah and we're, right. we're hoping 2023 is a continuation of the reflecting that you're going to do in 2022 that we're mm-hmm. going to do i'm going to include us in it because we all need yeah. to do it um but definitely a lot of challenges that happened this year mm-hmm. um i know i remember when we were kind of getting into the season three which we kicked off in february of this year and of course like adam said this is an outlet for us this is something that we partake in because we enjoy it we love talking with you guys we love talking to each other and so you know you always have these like oh we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and sometimes things don't always work out the way that you want them to um i think personally i'm super proud of like how we where we've gotten to the fact that folks have engaged with Joko podcast the way that they have. And I'm really hoping that 2023 will just like catapult us into another level. And another level doesn't have to mean an episode a week or an episode a day. It just means like the content. I think the content that we're creating is really resonating with a lot of folks and resonating with me personally. So just had to throw that out there that like we still have a lot of runway in 2023 and beyond to continue this mission and continue this journey that we're on with you guys. I agree. And with that, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Take